Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us on the weekly update on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning to you. When, when will it be the collective sigh of relief? Will it be sometime Tuesday night when all of America lets out that great, it's all over? I don't know, it might be Sunday, could be four years, eight years, who knows how long uh, <laughs> until the American people now are able to come together again, are able to put this election, and it's certainly been very divisive, If you remember, not just in terms of uh, the presidential candidates now, but remember the Republican primaries, the Democratic primaries, how much emotion was, was evoked. I think it's good that there's passion in the election, that people care, people want to turn out. Hopefully they will go and vote. But uh, I think that, that there are a lot of things that will need to be examined after this is all over about the mood in the country, the kind of atmosphere that's been created or exists and just was exposed. And uh, I think it's true on both sides. And yeah. I think it's, it's, there, there's something underlying the, the expressions that if you listen to the interviews of people uh, from all, all specters and, uh, and, and, and on, on every part of the spectrum and, and every political ideological point of view, that there are common expressions of concern and unease, which I think have to be paid attention because these things can metastasize. Uh, yesterday we had our own election forum with many uh, issues raised and uh, at some point a heated discussion, which certainly was um, uh, taken into account by uh, uh, different uh, observers around this country uh, on, on issues specifically regarding uh, things important to the Jewish community or perceived to be important to our community. And uh, it, it just it, it seems that um, it, it's almost hard to believe that the the gap between the candidates, the way they are presented, is as large as it is. And one of my points being, you've always emphasized, and I think you're still a believer in this, that no matter who becomes president, the likelihood that a good relationship with the state of Israel continues and the likelihood that things like financial aid, military cooperation, intelligence cooperation continues is more likely than not. I don't think you've changed your mind on that, correct? Absolutely, but it's also one of the reasons why I kept emphasizing that people should not ignore the congressional races, yeah. where traditionally support has come, even when there have been tensions with administrations. Congress has remained, and and today remains, very supportive. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, again, from your political scientist background, this is very common. What we're seeing a couple of days before the election, right, where the numbers get closer, and where the the this this is more often than not that it tightens up in, in just the few days before the election. Am I right? Yes, it does tighten, and it can shift. But uh, I think that the the hidden factor here is that a lot of the pollsters say that people won't acknowledge that they're voting, let's say, for Trump, and will in fact do so, but don't know that it's not correct, or they don't feel that they should publicly uh, say so. So it could be a shift of several percentage points, which 
is all that might be necessary. Yeah. If you have a blowout election, so it, these things don't matter quite yeah. so much. And, and, yeah, and as you know, many people in our community, many people nationwide, Jew and Gentile alike, are, are sort of, you know, the way it's described, holding their nose, they go to the polls, and, you know, they want to participate, they want to vote. A lot of people don't like both candidates. Uh, it, 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 does, does it put you, and it may not even be fair of me to ask you a question like this, but I wonder, you know, what your attitude is going into this when, when you know the collective attitude of the community toward both candidates, meaning, you know, all, all rhetoric and exaggeration aside, the majority of people are, are really just not happy with either one. Does that affect you as you think about working with the next White House? Well, it affects it in the sense that, that you know, a president should be a unifier. It's somebody who should be able to bring together, not everybody, uh, and at times have to take positions which may alienate significant segments if they believe it's the right thing to do. What I'm concerned and what I've tried to advocate to leaders and and to members of our community is to focus on the issues, because whatever happens Tuesday, we're facing very serious challenges ahead. And when people wouldn't look and you know for how long, two years, we talked about the UNESCO resolutions, these attacks on Jerusalem, yeah. and it was very hard to rouse any interest here or in Israel, because everybody's so focused on the elections and who they back, and until you could get past that, and I refuse to discuss it, because I want people to focus on where they can make a difference and what the real issues, because they will be with us no matter who gets elected. And, uh, and I still think that people are not prepared for some of the challenges and when you, you, you see these immense developments, just this week, Iran threatening us over and over again, which uh, we can talk about, but no response to it, because everybody's so focused on other things. Yet, next week, that will be far more important in terms of our future course of action, for the, the, the dangers that we face. And, uh, and obviously, the candidates have different approaches, and rarely do we have such a stark um, choice. Yeah. In between the candidates, I, so. I, I know that um, you know most people will say Al Tiftach Pet, which I understand. But is it I don't know surprising or 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 do you wonder sometimes that the enemy did not take further advantage of this you know period of time that's looked like as a vacuum? You know, you you look at the last couple of months. It it, it it's been tenuous times with you know with this whole transition looming. Um, I don't know. Should we just should we just you know look up and say thank you that that there wasn't that there wasn't any type of uh, negative activity from the enemy uh, during this period of time? Well, it's from the enemies. There was, and and the problem is that we'll only start to focus on this when we see the consequences, or when we get past the, the January twentieth, we're going to look back and ask how did all of this happen? And I think uh, there have been many changes on the ground, especially in the Middle East, where America's vulnerability or disengagement or whatever term you know the experts ascribe to it uh, has been taken advantage of by by Russia by Iran by others look at the election in Lebanon how many people are even talking about the fact that you have now Aoun's president he's a proxy for Hezbollah he's a, and I, I knew him I went to Lebanon with him when he was a pro-Israel leader of the Christian forces and came into Israel regularly, took us, I took Senator D'Amato, we went once uh, to Marjagun and other places with uh, General Aoun, and 
and now we, we see this uh, takeover. Now Hariri will be prime minister, and we'll see how long that lasts and if he's able to create some sort of a balanced situation. But certainly have to declare that that was a victory for the Hezbollah Iranian uh, forces. And, and the Iranians said, the, the, one of their um, key military leaders, the, the military advisor to, to Khamenei, he, he said, look, we are supported and detailed the support of their, their people in Syria, Iraq, Yemen, the Levant, which of course you know, mm-hmm. is Lebanon, Syria, and, and means Israel. Right. He confirmed for the first time that I remember publicly Iranian military deployments in Gaza, and he said that the, the, is, uh, the Islamic Revolution is the center, puts Iran at the center of the Muslim world, and said that Gaza and Palestine are our top religious and political priorities, and we put advisors there, we trained forces, we gave scientific knowledge, whatever went on. And yet, here he is declaring all the stuff that they did. Khamenei says, no negotiation negotiates with the United States, it's dangerous, wrong, won't yield what everybody said attacked Israel's occupation as the most destabilizing factor rather than recognizing uh, uh, that Iran. They announced that they're going to kill their opponents, and they're going to go to get against dissidents abroad, and that they're going to send, uh, IRGC is sending agents to the United States and Europe, and well-trained, and talked about it in, in details. Uh, and much more that happened just in this week. Has Israel about, has Israel reacted by the way to the uh, to the uh, well, Brit- Israel's been reacting all along. They don't react to every. Uh, no, I'm saying to the Brit- but, made, but they're certainly reacting by their preparations on the on Israel's uh, uh, northern border because of the new president. Pardon me. Because of the new Lebanese president. No, because of the threats of Iran. When Iran is saying, and and because we know that there's been increased activities, and because um, Hezbollah has threatened to cross, and you have also ISIS and other groups there that could potentially want to rally the, the people in Syria by, uh, you know, refocusing on a common enemy. But the, the, they've been doing it because, you know, there were infiltrations or attempted infiltrations, and Israel has done a lot on the northern border to create uh, obstacles and, and uh, carving up the, the border the mountains to make it hard to, to be able to come through. Wow. Um, the... Um anniversary of the assassination of Prime Minister... First of all, it's almost impossible to believe it's 21 years. I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. That's quite a long time. Uh, did you ever think about how different things would be, might have been, if, if, the, Israeli, um, if the Israeli leadership would you know, be a completely different landscape, if not for the assassination? Well, I think about the, what it did to Israeli society... Uh, I'm not sure in the political realm. If you remember, Netanyahu, I think was it was ahead of Rabin in in the election, and um, uh, I'm not sure what, you know what the outcome of the election would have been, which would have determined, right. of course, on the political level. But on the social level, I think the, this caused a tremendous revolution. It caused a lot of soul searching, and that may have been beneficial for people to think about, and, and some of the extreme language and exhortations, which I think diminished for a while. Uh, and there are people now who, who have told me in Israel and elsewhere that they were very concerned because it seems to be re-emerging the, the uh, very uh, intense uh, expressions. So yes, things might have been very different. And the media and, and the, very and, painful period. And the media obviously doesn't help in that. I mean, they're they're they're, they're fanning the flames on both well, sides. They exploit it. 
Yeah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com, with thousands of articles that you could print out before Shabbos on, oh boy, practically every issue out there. And they continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible Nahum Siegel Network stream to everybody and uh, all their readers, and we thank them. And to OnlySimchas.com, who I noticed uh, used our content from yesterday, the big election forum, and excuse me, and blasted that around the world, as it seems many people did. Uh, so thank you to OnlySimchas.com, and continue to use our content for their incredible brand new news feed. And don't forget, everybody, to listen to JM in the AM when we move to the uh, uh, to be an exclusive presentation of the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure you have your computer at NahumSiegel.com. Make sure you have your listen line. You can actually call from any phone in the world. You can call 605-562-4400. Again, that's 605-562-4400. And listen live to whatever's happening during our 24-hour network um, a presentation, simple, including this segment. So 605-562-4400. Keep that in mind. Obviously, the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app, for both Android and iPhone are highly recommended. By the way, you think this is an indication, Malcolm, that the um, uh, because of such a low voter turnout among uh, expats in Israel um, uh, compared to 2012, you think that that's, uh, that that's an indication of what may happen in this country, a very low and maybe the lowest voter turnout on Tuesday? It, it could be. I think a lot of people are uncertain, and uh, and because of all the predictions... People feel that a lot of it is locked in or, or may believe that the outcome is set, which clearly we see the, the fluctuations. But they also should remember the down tickets, right. that the, the members of Congress who are running, in many cases you have judicial candidates, you have the city uh, official candidates, and certainly you know, every House seat is up, right. that, uh, that their vote counts and that they should get out. And, and if they want to make demands on government, they look at who comes out and who votes and who doesn't vote. So why should they service your district if, if people are indifferent and don't care enough to come out and vote? So everybody should vote regardless of you know how they feel. If they want to skip or they want to write in or they want to do something else, if they don't like the candidates, you know it's their choice. But remember that you don't have really any influence then in the outcome if you do that. Yeah, no question about that. And also, uh, and there may be some big shifts in the Senate, by the way, which I'm sure you'll be paying very careful attention to. And um, and j- again, just your observation has has there. And someone asked me this yesterday. I thought it was an interesting question. As you know, for those of us who love this whole thing as a spectator sport, um, it, we know about the importance of the House and Senate. Obviously, when it comes to those who are you know in the concern for Israel group, we understand all of that. Um, it, there may be a major shift in the gubernatorial races. Um, there may be one party holding a very large majority of gubernatorial seats after uh, Tuesday. Is there ever any major effort? from the concerns about Israel community when it comes to governor's races, or generally you haven't seen that over the years? No, I think, it, it, first of all, it also often depends on the, on the candidates who arouse strong right. support in particular communities, but governors are important. People forget, and, and, and legislatures, they, they, they determine how districts are drawn, for instance, right. so they can well affect the congressional representation afterwards. The governors who have taken initiatives to set up uh, you know, commissions with Israel or trade or visited in difficult times, as Governor Cuomo did when he went to, 
to the tunnels right during the Gaza War, which was so important because it got right. a lot of coverage and it highlighted for many people what the real nature of the threat to Israel was. So governors Good point. are important. Good point. I, the tr- I mean, look, bottom line, and this is the day to say it because we're so close to such a big election day, the bottom line is that our grandparents and great-grandparents would encourage us to get to those polls on Tuesday. It's they a, went in their walkers through the snow, the sleep, because they knew what it meant to be deprived of the vote, and we take it for granted. Maybe as much as uh, 40 to 50% of Jews don't vote, and especially um, younger Jews. Right. Older Jews... Who, who know what it means, uh, the significance more. So there was always fear about being drafted or getting your, uh, you know, getting called for jury duty. That's no longer true. That If it was, it, it's a different pool. If you pay an electric bill, you have as much chance of getting called as you do if you go and vote. So it does not affect, you know, your status as, a, as being called for jury duty or anything else. So there's no excuse for people not to go and vote. Malcolm, could you could you you got to set this up for me here because it's getting so confusing. Obviously, many of us are familiar with the United Nations General Assembly, and now, of course, UNESCO is becoming more familiar to us for the reasons that you cited earlier. Now, now we read about Interpol and the and the fight over whether the PA who's attempting to join Interpol, in fact, will be able to, and Israel, I would assume, are try, is going to try if they're not already trying to block it. So now, what is Interpol when it comes to the the family of you? UN agencies, and are there more that we should be aware of in the UN agencies that are, you know, going to become issues down the line? It, it, first, in the latter part, yes, there are many agencies that the PA is is applying to and wants to apply to, and one of the big blocks uh, against their successful uh, efforts, the success of their efforts, is the fact that Congress said that any agency of the UN that admits pa- uh, the Palestinians as a state. It loses funding that the United States cannot participate because we do not recognize them as a state, and that changes the rules, etc. So when people poo-poo some of the legislative initiatives like that and say, well, what significance does it really have? It's very significant. It's why we do not fund UNESCO, why we uh, also have been able to hold this uh, uh, sword over many other uh, UN agencies. It may be inevitable that that they will get into more places, you know, they, they, they elevate their recognition in the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the, the very key to them is this recognition and, and participation on a nationalistic level, but also in terms of Interpol, the concern is that this will give them access to a lot of information about counterterrorism and terrorism, about uh, um, putting them in the fulcrum of, of some of the efforts or people who generally don't trust Interpol, and some of their past record is questionable on some issues uh, regarding uh, our interests. But Interpol is a powerful agency, and each one that falls, every time they get recognition, it means that, that it sets it up for another one to be targeted, uh, like UNESCO. It seems like they're simply throwing everything against the wall and just trying to, you know, utilize their power and influence to, to gain entry into whatever agency they can. Just They'll keep trying. And, and, and they look to where the United States, you know, can put up the least resistance. Right. Israel, of course, and uh, the uh, array of countries and where you need unanimity and where you, you, need, uh, you need just a majority, which is something they can usually muster uh, because of the automatic setup in in UN and UN related agencies. One of the things that we are pressing the new Secretary General and the old one is for the old one to come out yet and the new one to assert that, that this bias against Israel, this automatic uh, majorities, the, the resolutions, etc., 
will come to an end. I mean, it's just it's it's counterproductive. It's a waste of UN money, huge amounts to have these two standing Palestinian committees. I mean, you have nothing ca- parallel in dealing with all the other tragedies and uh, uh, that we're facing these days, or political issues that we face. Uh, and you know, these are anomalies of the past that should be should be ended. So there's a heavy agenda that, that and people. Again, I know I say it often, you know, dismiss the U.N., its significance, and they're wrong. Prime Minister, when he spoke at the U.N., indicated that he thinks we're closer to that day than not when this bias will end. Well, we're working very hard on it, and, and we've gotten, we, we sent a letter to all the members of the U.N., signed by all the member organizations of the conference across the whole political spectrum. More than 50 signed it. And we've gotten some good responses to it, and we are we are pressing this agenda very hard. Again, because it does have practical consequences aside from how Israel is viewed in the international community. Hey, explain to me the uh, the influence that the New York Times says Mohammed Dahlan has on the PA leadership. So Dahlan has been a, a, a long player for decades, and he's now announced that he's withdrawing from the race to succeed um, Abbas. Right. But I don't think that there is a race. I don't think Abbas is going to drop out. They've convened a meeting of Fatah on November 29th. I think its purpose is more to eliminate opposition than to create succession. Uh, he's 81 years old. He's uh, um, certainly not in any uh, way interested, it seems, in negotiations, at least not now. And he uh, you know, is trying to protect the kleptocracy and the financial benefits that he, his sons, and others have been reaping from the... Palestinian Authority and, and the aid that comes to it. So Dahlan, uh, who has been living in Qatar, he was he was thrown out. He was the czar in Gaza, and when Hamas came in, he left. And the, uh, Fatah under Abbas has uh, been fighting him. He came back now, uh, but he he is the withdrawn essentially, from the front-line confrontation with Abbas. You have Jabril Rajoub, you have many others. Barghouti is the guy who seems to get the most vote, though right. he's, serving, uh, he's in jail in Israel and is not getting out so soon. So I don't, I don't think that we're going to have a big succession fight. The internal fight within Fatah, the fights that are taking place in some of the camps where it's, it's uh, the people in the camps against the Palestinian Authority security forces and very bloody fights this week, they, they they point to a real instability and a frustration. You know, he's in the 11th year or so of his four-year term, and uh, they don't want to face the prospect of elections with Hamas likely to make very significant gains in, in the West Bank areas. Politically, he could outlast Bibi. It's funny. Who would ever... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Whoever would have thought that? Yeah, that's... Whoever that's would have thought true. that Abbas down the road could be negotiating, quote-unquote, with a different Israeli leader. It's really funny when you think about it. Uh, what do you think of the, speaking of the New York... I don't think BB has any plans to go anywhere. No, I know also, I, so. I know he doesn't. Maybe but it, it's a race between them. Then. I understand he doesn't, but if, if, you had, if you were right. a betting man and someone asked you to bet if this is his final term, I think you'd have to bet on that side. Am I right? No, I would say that it's a toss-up. Really? He didn't, he, he didn't make it clear that it's more likely than not, at the time of the election, he didn't make it clear that it's more likely than not that this would be his last term. No. Wow. Interesting. Um, what do you think of uh, Assad's attempt to convene journalists and convince the West that he has a, uh, 
a secure position, as he puts it, as the custodian of Syrian sovereignty, and that all these uh, terrible accusations that he's just out there killing uh, good people are uh, are ridiculous. What do you think of the PR campaign that he's on? Well, because he's feeling as though he has now gotten two guarantees, I mean, two life insurance policies, one from Iran, one from Russia, and both are committing to committed to, to sustaining him in power. The opposition forces, I think, have been weakened greatly, uh, certainly Turkey, uh, the Saudis' role uh, diminished, both of them insisting on his being removed. Uh, the um, internal fighting continues, but the, you know, the Russians tipped the balance a lot. Uh, we'll see how, and the, and the focus has shifted to Mosul, and more and more resources being poured into going after ISIS there, and, and still the fighting in, in Syria. Uh, you know, there are still people being hurt, the bombings, the, the terrific loss of life, and I saw some of the victims when I was in, in Israel recently, in the, in the hospitals in Israel's north. How many thousands have been treated there? And when they tell you about the situation in their own, in their communities and country, in the cities from which they come, it's, it, it's devastating. And much of the media doesn't get into those places because it's not safe. And you have indiscriminate bombings often. Hospitals have been bombed. Many doctors have been killed, so they get no medical treatment of, of uh, any significance. And uh, Assad is looking at this and saying, look, right now, I'm, in, uh, I'm beating them back in Aleppo. We're still fighting. It's, it's not a one battle at all, even though sometimes it's described as such. It's still heavy fighting. And, uh, you know, as long as he holds on to Damascus, the coast, some of the coastal areas, and Aleppo, and he, he can stay in power. So he's essentially, and this is what we get from this campaign of his, he's essentially toying with the U.S. and British media and others, I would guess, because as you just described, as long as he has Russian and Iranian support, he has nothing to worry about. Well, he has things to worry about, but, but he's, uh, I mean, his position is secure, and they have said that this is uh, a condition, and as long as they say he stays, he stays. Simple as that. Uh, could you explain this battle going on with Justice Minister Ayala Chaked and Supreme Court President Miriam Naor and what, what is about to happen as everyone's jockeying for position in terms of the future of the Justice Ministry in Israel? Or the Justice Department, I should say, in Israel. I, I don't really follow it, uh, as I don't follow most of the internal fights in, in Israel, because it's too draining and it, it's, there's just too many of them <laughs> to keep track of it all. But it looks like it but, could call for a major change. This, there has been calls for major change, and, and Shaked, who, by the way, from most of the people I spoke to, was rated quite highly. You know, when she was first appointed, people, I guess, made uh, um, comments and, and denigrated the, the prospects of her tenure, right. and yet she's, she's rated. I, I spoke to judges, spoke to um, people involved in, in law enforcement, and they spoke very highly of her competence, that she was smart, that she articulated the case for for uh, um, the ministry, and and there were issues we brought to her uh, about uh, certain uh, initiatives, and she did follow up and and took a great interest in it. So I don't know to what degree this is political, or this is because of uh, you know trying to draw the lines of power, everybody protecting their own turf. Yeah, um, but it's not unusual in Israel. Mm. Uh, what do you think of the effort in Israel to um, uh, to to restrain uh, uh, memorials or um, uh, um, uh, what's the proper word? Uh, in this case, it's the naming of a center, I believe, in the memory of uh, Rahavam Zaevi Gandhi, who was uh, assassinated in Israel. 
Well, it's because of some of the revelations that have come out later, accusations that obviously can't be debated with him because he's not around. So um, it's more about that, and, you know, that is people, if true, then there's a reason. Um, I I don't think you should remove the name. I think, you know, unless they have really hard proof and, and, and can make substantial cases, but um, we yeah. also remember his, his many contributions. However, it's certainly being tainted by the accusations that are being made. Understood. Last night I was discussing with somebody if anything could happen at this point uh, before the election to really alter things. Um, uh, God forbid we know that, that that may be one of the only things that could, in fact, alter things before Tuesday morning. Uh, would be action by the enemy, but you know things have been have been somewhat quiet. I alluded to that earlier, and then we see this article where U.S. intelligence officials are warning local authorities in New York, Texas, and Virginia about possible attacks by Al Qaeda on Monday, a day before the U.S. presidential election. Now, I don't know what I'm even asking you to comment on because I don't know what there is to say. But I guess again, this should certainly be expected that even if there won't be an attack, please God, there's no reason there's no reason to assume why the enemy wouldn't take advantage of this and start, uh, you know, banding about Monday as the day to attack America. And if you take seriously the Iranian threats, then you believe that they do have some capacity to do things, let alone ISIS or, or uh, any of the other groups or al-Qaeda uh, who have known to have uh, people in the United States, people who have come in, into European places. If they don't have to attack the United States here, they can attack U.S. presence and, and embassies, etc., abroad. Yeah. Uh, but but that's one. I think also we should be reminded there was a story about and and. I know many um, media, Jewish media, carried it, the picture of a guy taking pictures at Jewish uh, girls' schools in Brooklyn. Right. People should not dismiss it, and they should circulate the picture to every principal in every school that if, you, if this guy is seen anywhere, that it be reported to the police immediately, that uh, it's, um, we, we don't know what's behind it. We don't know whether it's anything serious or it's just happenstance, but... It's clearly something that we should be alert to and, and concerned about and, and not just uh, read it in, on any of the sites and then say, well, I, I, you know, and dismiss it that it happened to them. Everybody should see that picture. Every synagogue should post the guy's picture. And if he's seen, you know, if you see someone, say something. Do you think we'll see a big boost in law enforcement personnel in the New York area Monday and Tuesday? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I'm concerned more about Wednesday or Tuesday night and Wednesday, about the reaction. I, I don't think you're going to have riots in the streets, but I do think that there, the emotions are so high, and the setup about whether it's rigged one way or another, or, or and, and New York is a given, so I don't think you know the tensions are highest here. Yeah. Could be reaction in, in other places. Someone but, said to me that Wednesday half the country will be very disappointed and the other half will be just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy when you think about it. But, you know, that's, that, that's the way it is at this point. Uh, election Day, and we, this is something that I insisted our guests yesterday during our election forum end with. And obviously, uh, you know, you've said it already during this conversation, but it's something that we'll be trumpeting uh, over the next few days. And that is just simply get out and vote. It is very difficult to entice people or motivate them during this election. It's no secret that it's difficult to motivate people during this election to, in fact, go out and do so. But it's so important, and for our community specifically, it's so important. If we'd like to have a voice 
in Washington, uh, you know, uh, in Congress, in the White House, etc. You know, you can't, like you always say, you can't complain if you're not involved. You can't complain if you're not taking a role. And here's one way that everybody could take a role. So I really hope it goes. And they should remember that the issues we face and we're going to face in the coming months, and because of the election, again, we, we don't get to it, but uh, look, just the fight we had this week between Kerry and uh, the state and Treasury over the definition of for, for the sanctions, the Iran sanctions bill comes up, it expires December 31st. It's going to come up for renewal in both houses. We, we're going to have some action at the Security Council. The Palestinians are going to go for resolution on settlements. We're going to have many, many serious external challenges and internal challenges. And when you, everybody will have an opinion about that, and everybody will tell us what to do. But the first question you have to ask them is, did you vote? Did you help determine who will represent you in Congress? Did you send the message about who will be in the state legislatures or in any of the other positions that are up for now? If the answer is no, you're out of the conversation. Yeah, simple as that. All right, we'll reconvene next week, ironically enough, on Veterans Day. And uh, Tuesday is Election Day. Everybody get out there and vote, and vote uh, early, and uh, vote uh, and vote often, as they say. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Election Day is Tuesday. We continue to discuss the issues a week from today on Veterans Day, Friday, 740 Eastern Time. Make sure to join us for the next installment of the weekly update. I again remind everybody, as we make our transition to an all-digital format, Make sure that for segments like this and everything else we do, uh, you are all prepared and all set, that you have your computer at NahumSiegel.com, that you have the uh, NSN, NahumSiegel Network app, and when you go to your iPhone or Android store on your phone, you literally just search NahumSiegel Network and it comes up. So make sure to install the app. If you have a web radio, if you have a web radio and you have a tune-in programming, and, and those with a web radio know what I mean, for now, you may want to try JM in the AM because that'll be an even easier way for you to access that stream. And, of course, that will remain that way um, uh, every single day for you there once you set it. I'm um, trying to think what else. Our listen line. There is a phone number where people call in from around the world to listen to our live network presentation, the actual schedule of what's going on at that moment. So if you have no other option, you're in your car, and you just are desperate to hear JM and the Amy, and you have no other option. You don't have the app. You don't have an auxiliary cable. You don't have Bluetooth. Uh, you, don't have, um, uh, you don't have any of those capabilities. Then you can call the listen line at 605-562-4400. And by the way, this phone number, please give to everybody out there, whether they're senior citizens or those who have no smartphones or those who consider themselves completely disconnected, although every, as we continue to go through this process, we find out that everyone who thinks they're disconnected are really connected and don't realize it. But if you want to give them this number to make it even easier for them, they can just put it on their speakerphone or actually listen on the phone to a segment like this or anything else, 605-562-4400. 605 605-562- 562 Forty-four hundred. 